Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Traction.gg podcast where we talk about racing games, sim racing and racing esports. Today we're going to be discussing the future of the Formula One games, both the EA Sports driving title and the Frontier Developments management title. To do that, we are joined by Dave Gaming, a German YouTuber with over 200,000 YouTube subscribers and nearly 100,000 Twitch followers. We are obviously an English language media outlet and Dave is a German content creator. So many of you listening may not have seen his videos because it's not in the language you speak. Some of you may have done though. And we thought it was a great idea to speak to him though because having met him a couple of times at some recent events, I know his uh, knowledge and passion is almost second to none. So do check out his channel if you understand what he's saying. But if not, we've got an English discussion here about what he thinks and what he'd like to see from F123 and also F1 Manager 2023. I should say that this was recorded before some recent announcements. So at the time, all we knew was the F1 Manager game was going to get a new game. And the EA Sports F123 had had its Connor Sport teaser reveal. And it had its initial trailer and press release and article details but it hadn't had the deep dive on the red flags, how they worked and the new physics, which is very interesting. We'll put a link in the description of this episode. And final thing before we get going, I should say is if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment below with any questions about Dave or opinions on Dave Gaming's uh, content. They're really enigmatic, I think, uh, but also your thoughts on what you'd like to see from the Formula One games in the future. But if you're listening on, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can't do that. But please do follow this podcast on there as well, because we don't put every episode on YouTube. It's only certain ones, but there are more episodes on the audio-only platforms. Okay, for now, Dave Gaming. Dave, it's a pleasure to speak to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, Tom? Yeah, really good. Thank you very much for joining us all the way in Germany. Obviously, I know you. We've met a few times at some events, which is, I think, with Gran Turismo and was one in particular. I saw you getting a signature from Kazanuri there. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Uh, but also, you know, you're a Twitch and YouTube content creator for racing games. And there are new Formula One games set to be announced. So what better time to speak to you about uh, what's coming up. But before we talk about the new Formula One titles that are coming up, I'd like to talk to you about your passion outside of gaming. And uh, you've talked to me many times about Ferrari and Formula One. So is it Ferrari and Formula One, first of all, that got you into gaming? Uh, funnily, it was a bit more uh, McLaren Mercedes in first. I was, oh, was it? I was a huge fan of the Finnish drivers, uh, Mika Häkkinen first and then Kimi Raikkonen. And then Ferrari was more of a topic when Kimi Raikkonen won his uh, one and only title um, with Ferrari in 2007. And from that point on, there was a love growing and um, especially Formula One and also a bit Gran Turismo One. Um, they got me into um, gaming as I always loved motorsport. I noticed, well, we're going to primarily talk about Formula One games, but slight tangent. You know, you still use Gran Turismo menu music in some of your <laughs> videos, right? So that's, before we jump to Formula One, a bit ad hoc, but Gran Turismo is still something that you're deeply passionate about, right? Absolutely, yes. Gran Turismo 3 is probably still one of the best racing games ever and especially Gran Turismo 7 also made a nice step back to the classic Gran Turismo gameplay. I think in single player it is probably at some point still a bit outdated but mm. in multiplayer having a lot of fun. Nice, yeah, with the sport mode and the, the lobbies, that's cool. So I was going back through your YouTube channel to the very first upload 
I just watched that. No one enjoys uh, who's got a YouTube channel. People watching the first one, right? For you, it's quite, it's quite good because you don't you don't talk on it. You're not on the camera. It's just a hot lap of Spa, and it's in F1 2014. Uh, what was it about that game that made you uh, decide to upload to YouTube for the first time? To be honest, the game was not that good, but um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> after after 2014 um, or in 2014, I finished my school, and before I went to university, I was like, well. I have some time left. Um, I also bought my first PC and I was like, well, maybe I can try out to record some videos. Probably it will be a bit successful, maybe. And um, I think also one of the first videos was quite successful because it was an F1 mod uh, I installed. It was still for F1 2013. It came later than the F1 2014 video, but ah. it was with Michael Schumacher and yeah, it blew up a bit, and then I was like, well, I will just keep doing that, and probably I can make a living of that. I see, yeah. I mean, over nine years since those early days, those formative stages, let's say, and I think looking at your videos and streams, your style's evolved quite a bit, mainly because people can see you now, which is a which is a key thing, and yeah, I think the first videos, you weren't really talking, and then for many years, you did just like the gameplay with you talking, and it was not just racing games as well for a time, but now you've mainly focused on the racing games and everybody gets to see your face. So talk me through the, your evolution and the decision to change up your style. Yeah, at first I was a bit worried. What will people think when they see your face? And probably it's better to see your gameplay without your face. But uh, at one point you realize that um, with the face cam, it is so much more, uh, so much easier to create content because um, you can and envoy so much um, emotions with just mimic and uh, also uh, with uh, how's it called uh, with facial with facial expression and uh, also gestures and um, that way it's um, I think it makes content creation much easier and at first I didn't know which direction I would go to mm. but at one point I realized well I love motorsports um, and also part of the gaming culture was a bit getting more boring for me because there was pretty much no um, new innovation and um, yeah from one point on I was like well go niche go big and um, then I focused mainly on racing games and uh, I think that was quite a good decision because, uh, yeah, imagine on my YouTube channel having Cyberpunk, The Last of Us, and mm. all the indie games as well. I think if you're just interested in racing games, you're like, wow, how can I find myself? What videos I like here? And like this, is, it's much easier, I guess. Go niche, go big. I love that. But I think that's true. I think especially on YouTube and Twitch, you have to find your niche, your genre. Mm -hmm. what you're really, really passionate about. And then the character comes through, doesn't it? And I think that's ultimately what people are subscribing and following for. Uh, and I just mentioned Twitch there. So obviously you've got over 200,000 YouTube subscribers, which is a fantastic figure. But you've also got nearly 90,000 Twitch followers as well. So how do you how do you balance the two? Yeah, it always depends on what I prefer to do right now because Twitch is a bit of a different content creation. You have the interaction with people. And from time to time, I feel more like... I want to interact with people and sometimes I want to be for myself and um, for those periods it's much easier to create YouTube videos instead of um, yeah, going live streaming and uh, 
having people having opinions and asking opinions especially uh, about what you think of Max Verstappen against Lewis Hamilton or whatever mm. and uh, sometimes it's much easier to just isolate yourself from those topics I see interesting yeah because it, it must be quite a a difficult workload actually in some ways to do you know a big long twitch stream and then have the motivation to then record and capture and edit for youtube yeah it's a, it's a different style between the two isn't it but you certainly seem to be managing that quite well at the minute so you don't need me to to say that uh so let's just move on if that's okay from sort of the business the content creation if that makes sense to the passion specifically formula one games so i was watching an interview uh the other day where you were saying your first formula one game was f197 that, if that's correct, what was the what was the main appeal back then? Why did you start? To be honest, I don't know if it was '97 or if it was the first Formula One game for PS1. Ah, I know, I know, I said '97, yeah. but to be honest, I was two or three years old when we had that game. I had two older brothers who had the PlayStation X or PlayStation One, um, so I don't know what games we exactly exactly had. I just know that I have a recording. I was two and a half years old, and I was already wow. uh, sitting there with a gamepad in front of the screen. Um, at first, I don't think I understood too much about what I was doing there, but uh, I knew about F1, I knew about uh, motorsport in general, and um, as things progressed, um, you learned a lot of things. Uh, you learned uh, the racing line, you learned how to be quicker, you learned the racing tracks as well, and um, like that you at one point you were informed and that happened quite early for me and I was like, I don't know, four or five years old and I already knew a lot of rules and uh, yeah, this way I think uh, Formula One just got in my life very, very early. Oh, I see. So I didn't realize quite how young you were when you started playing the PlayStation. <laughs> for, me, for me, I wasn't allowed one until I was 10 years old. So I missed. Oh. Yeah, I know. But that's hard. My, so, yeah, but I think my first F1 game was probably 2000, which was an EA game because there was mm. a couple of different studios at the same time doing F1 games. Now we're in this era, you know, since 2010 with Codemasters Birmingham Studio developing the Formula One games. How's that journey been for you in those, you know, nearly, well, we're up to the 14th title, I think, this year that they've created of the main series. 15 if you include race stars. Yeah, I, w I just wanted to add that. <laughs> I know where you're going. Uh, I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Recovered it. <laughs> um, do you count the mobile game or not? I don't. I don't think we do. But um, because I think <laughs> do we count the games. Wii title? Ah, yes. yes but wasn't Wii. that by Sumo Digital? I don't know if it was. If it was, it was just F1 2009, but I don't know if it yeah. was from Codemasters or not. I think it was developed by a different uh, studio, so I'm not. I'm not counting it. But fair point. And there was a, P a PS Vita. Uh, I, I digress. <laughs> of the main Codemasters uh, developed games on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. And you can include Race Stars in there. Do you have a particular favorite? I think F1 2017 is still, has Ooh. still a huge place in my heart. Um, Why that one? Because the grip level was so amazing. Um, okay. That was from coming from F1 2016, where you... Um, watched the qualifying laps in real life and you were like well why can nico rosberg um i think of singapore for instance you can floor uh, the throttle on the exits and if you just think about flooring the throttle um in the video game you just spin and mm. i was like how is that not possible in a video game and then the huge regulation changes came in and from one year to another um they just changed the whole driving physics so you could floor um 
for instance, in Melbourne, in the fast uh, chicane in the third sector, uh, you can go flat out so early. It's not even possible to mm. do it like that in F1 2020, which I also uh, like very much. And also 2018 is quite a good game. Yeah. But I think 2017 and 2020 are pretty much like my goats up to now. Okay, right. So it's that purple patch from 2017 when the rules changed in real life and they had more stability in the cars and more downforce. Yeah. Interesting. Although 2020 is a good shout because for me personally, I did the my team for the first time was a hmm. you know a big boom, wasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, that's oh, good. Yeah. So it wasn't 2014, wasn't your favorite? <laughs> not 2014, not 2015. <laughs> uh, are they the least favorite ones that they've created so far? Uh, to be honest. Um... I think some time has passed, so I don't know how would how I would yeah. uh, judge them thing. nowadays. Yeah. I think 2014 was really horrible. If you have a very, um, if you have a very objective perspective on that, uh, I think that's pretty much the worst game of the series uh, because the driving physics were bad, the sound were was so horrible. Um, but also from a personal point of view um my the most disappointing games for me were f121 and 22 because after 2019 when the f1 drivers had the feedback like the cars are not grippy enough they have, don't have the turn in uh, as they have in real life they don't have the exit uh, grip as they have in real life i thought they would come over that um level of missing grip but as the um, regulation changes were um, explained for 2021 with um, the floor changes there mm. there was um, a bit cut off they had lo uh, less downforce but i think code masters just exaggerated how much less downforce you would have and uh, that also continued with f122 and um yeah, I personally had the issue that I never really could predict when the car um, was about to spin, especially in the fast corners in F121 and in F122, pretty much everywhere. Um, you'd never know when the car is going to snap. And if it snaps, you cannot yeah, get back control of the car. Yeah, well, let's, let's touch upon F122 because as we speak, that's sort of the current game because F123 isn't out until June. And it's been nearly a year of playing the 22 game. And what, what's your main takeaway from it? Is it that the, the, the handling was a bit, I don't know, unpredictable at times? Yeah, I think they managed to do some cool things with F122. Um, they had two tracks that was not in the calendar. Uh, yeah, China and Portimao. But I think a game a game stands and falls with the driving physics. If you don't have proper driving physics, then... Of course, you can have the best multiplayer in the world. You can have the best AI in the world. If it is no fun to drive the actual car um, or the car in game, um, then force yourself to drive the car uh, just to get that Formula One experience. And from time to time, it has been like I forced myself to do that. I also had a few months of break with F121 and 22 as well, although mm -hmm. it's my main uh, video game I play on my channel. Um, yeah, and... All I hope for for F one twenty three is uh, that they have a better driving physics, or a better handling model, and uh, that you have a much more groupier car. Right. Well, that's that's what I was going to ask next. Next, I suppose is is there, what can they do to improve things from the last game? And I suppose it's the driving experience for you that's the main thing, not so much the 
you know, that supercars and the and the mighty mother podium pass and stuff like this. It's more the driving experience, right? If it was to me, uh, they could remove like pretty much all the features apart from the Formula One part. Um, okay. They could remove uh, supercars, F1 Live, uh, also Formula Two. I don't really need Formula Two in an F1 game, um, and all I wish for is that they make um, make a roundup for um, the core of the game, so that they just get things right again. Because some things have just diverged from how they have been mm. like uh, the development of the my team career is way too fast and the cars are becoming way too quick uh, and um, yeah probably also a few changes like um, how many sponsor um, sponsors can you place on the car and where you okay. can place them and uh, such things and uh, probably also different chassis parts uh, that you can actually see like a new rear wing or a new front wing when you upgrade the car oh, so it um, looks different when you added the upgrades yeah that would be so amazing i mean even iRacing on the w12 at least they have this feature that you can see uh differences in the front and rear wings and that would be amazing but first of all uh, the driving physics or the handling right. model has to change okay so yeah so so very much then it's Focusing on the core mechanics first and foremost, get those sorted, and then by all means tweak some other stuff. So I mean, it's tricky when they're they're making a game; they need to try and have the big features to sell it to a bigger audience. Uh, but then also they need to appease those who play it week in week out. And let's hope they focus on those first of all this time round. Well, yeah. speaking of the new game, um, there was recently a couple of weeks ago the uh, Connor Sport reveal which I mistakenly took it as, oh, they're going to reveal some information about the game, but they, they kind of didn't. What did, what did you make to that uh, reveal process, that teaser? It was quite a nice idea to introduce a new team and also make it as a presentation uh, like the real teams do. Uh, was probably even better than a Red Bull presentation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like the color of the car, uh, the, the whole look of the car. Um, and I think that is the first part of how they introduce the story and mm. um, it would be also cool to have the car as the 11th team on the grid and you with your my team car can uh, be like the 12th team on the grid uh, so you have 24 cars on the grid that would be amazing and uh, the only part that was really like weird was that uh, it was a presentation in the middle of the season, they were talking about the first three races, how they were going, and uh, on the other hand, they're like, well, that's the new competitor for 2023, and that that was just strange. Mm. Yeah, that oh, was kind of fun to watch. I like the idea, but it, I just felt like oh, it would be nice to get a few extra details at that point of the reveal uh, about the game, because it ended with, and then more information is going to be in the first, and we got to the first, and it was... Nope, the trailer's going to be on the third. <laughs> and then on the third, we finally got some good information about the game. Don't uh, just, forget, just, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc also shared some information on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yes, they did there because they're on the cover and they're involved in the marketing. <laughs> yep. Oh, how could I forget? Uh, so, although it's cool that our real-world drivers are involved in the promotion of the game. Just generally about Breaking Point, the, the, the story mode, which I suppose had its origins in 2019, but really was in 20, F121 was the first time they properly went for it. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you enjoy that game mode? And is that something you're looking forward to seeing coming back? 
Um, yeah, it's definitely a nice to have. I don't think that sports games definitely need a story mode because mm. yeah. you write your own stories when you're 20 points behind in the championship, three races to go, uh, and you just still win the world championship title. I think that's part of the story that you can imagine yourself. But uh, having something with actors and more, um, I think it's a nice idea and also nice to have. My personal opinion was I really enjoyed playing through it. I think choosing the right difficulty was key. If you had it too easy, you sort of lost some of the the appeal of it. But uh, yeah, as a one and done four, three, four hour thing, I thought I added something to the game. So as long as it doesn't take away from other ele elements of F123, I am looking forward to it. On on the new game, they mentioned uh, a few things. Although as at the time of, of recording, I've not driven it yet, just to be clear. But they've, they've, it sounds promising on paper. So they've talked about the potential for revised handling, which we've already discussed because that's one of the key things you'd like to see. But there are some other things. So um, are red flags, in your opinion, or 35% races a big deal? I think red flags um, are a big deal uh, because in real life, they are a big deal as well. Right. I don't well, yeah. like how they're used in real life because um, a standing start with two or three laps to go is just... It's just too much of a lottery. It's, it was a bit can, weird in Australia this year, wasn't it? Absolutely. And also in Baku two years ago. And I personally don't need that. A flying restart uh, would be better. A rolling restart, like in the second half of the race. For the first mm. half, you can probably keep it. But yeah. Um, yeah, apart from that, I think red flags are a big thing and uh, also can bring a bit more spice uh, in the racing action. And also the 35% race is quite cool. I recently just um, learned to respect and enjoy the 25% races because it feels like a way more uh, compressed experience, uh, mm. but it doesn't take away any, away any of the fun. Um, it is still very fun to drive. And uh, I, th I feel like the 50% race, um, at one point, everything settles uh, where it is. And there are just only tiny steps forward or backwards. And I think 35% is a nice compromise for that. Yeah, we'll have to, again, we'll have to see how these play out. But certainly red flags, for me, I know it's been a requested feature because I think the last time it appeared was F1 2014. That's something they got right. But yes. it's how they're implemented and we'll have to see how they, they come into being. But the, in the modern era of Formula One, it seems to be in the real world, they might become more of a thing. So mm -hmm. it's important to try and replicate that, isn't it? And speaking of new things, I mean, I've not really seen the track yet, but are you looking forward to driving Las Vegas, which will be available alongside Qatar from, from launch this time around? I played it in a set of Corsa. There was a modification. And ah, yes. I don't think that it's the most special track in terms of uh, the oh, layout, okay. but um, the surroundings are very interesting. And I think I'm looking forward to see it with a very nice graphics and especially the lighting, I think, in uh, Formula One games has approved a lot. Mm. Um, and yeah, let's see. I think uh, it will definitely be a pleasure to drive there just to see the surroundings and just nipping back actually while i think about it of the red flag debate that was something that was in f1 manager 2022 last year the first one for frontier developments i know you've done a, a big let's play series of that game although it's in german so i apologies i'm ignorant i don't really understand what you're saying is that also something you're looking forward to like a new f1 manager title this year yeah it depends on how much they change from the previous game because what would you like to see change then at the moment, there is a meta where you just drive um, in the DRS train. You just you just try to stay in the DRS train. You save tires, fuel, and ERS. 
and um I feel like also for F1 esports, it might uh, make things more interesting if you give uh, people just a reason to overtake someone else. And um, if you're the following car and you lose, like, depending on the track, maybe 10 or 20 or up to 50 or 60 percent uh, more of your tires, if you have 20 to 60 percent more tire wear then you definitely have a reason to overtake the car ahead. So you are the car ahead. He can probably save a bit of ERS, but then he will destroy his tires right behind you. And um, I think the main problem is there is uh, a meta at the moment uh, for the development part and also on track. For the development part, um, you can uh, make the intense uh, development for the current season parts, and that's pretty much overpowered. And on track, uh, whenever you are in the DRS train, you can save your tires, fuel, and ERS. And I think um, they need to give you a bit more uh, variance, uh, a bit, bit more variety. It might be worth it to be driving in a DRS train, er, and where it might not be worthy. Mm. Um, also for F1 esports, that might be a positive if you um, just increase the tire wear when you are in the DRS train for depending on the track in monza maybe for 10 percent more tire wear in suzuka with all the s uh, turns maybe 50 percent more tire wear would be uh, adequate um that way you would have also sometimes a reason to overtake another car and um try to be the leader of the pack um and this way you have to approach all the race quite a bit differently and i think that would make things more interesting um i think right now you can approach all the f1 manager 22 races the same way mm. if they change that if they could just break the things as they are right now um that would be way more interesting it's a similar critique actually to what you've seen about the f1 game you're more focused on okay i want this to work better on the track i want this race track to be more realistic whereas i suppose some other people might say well we need to be able to manage the F2 teams as well. Or we want to have online multiplayer as a, in leagues and stuff. But I suppose getting it right on track, first of all, is key. I just suppose generally about the F1 manager game, though, do you welcome the fact that there's now two games that they are slightly different, one's driving, one isn't, but they're sort of competing and they might push each other forward, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I think um, before the manager game was released, there was quite uh, a lot of harsh critique against uh, Codemasters and EA. That's the way you develop a proper Formula One game and uh, have a look at how the graphics are. Um, mm. I think in hindsight, we can accept that both games have their own audience, their own direction. And for me personally, who loves the sport, who's a fan of the sport, um, I just love the fact that you have both games and yeah when you're probably finished with your league racing uh on an evening you can then uh try to calm down a bit with one race and f1 manager right oh i see nice and i suppose it also helps for if you have a, a youtube channel twitch that's mainly known for formula one games you've got two two titles to do to create content with them which is which is a win for you absolutely yeah <laughs> uh so let's just touch upon not just so much this year, but like the future of the Formula One games. Uh, they've been using a variant of the driving games, that is, of the Ego engine now for since F1 2010. Although I, you know, I'm sure it's revised and heavily updated each year, and probably there isn't a single line of code from that first game in the current ones. But 
Do you think it's time for maybe next year or year after a different game engine? Or is that a risk? I'm not much into the technical side of game development, so I don't know if it is the problem with the game engine because right. there have been some bugs uh, around for like multiple years now. Mm. And if those things are directly connected to the game engine, then I think at one point you should definitely step to another uh, engine because yeah. I also feel like um, having the these things in the multiplayer, for instance, that's not something that is adequate for an official uh, F1 licensed game. So I hope that they can kind of sort out how the game how the game is built uh, from mm. like the IT side um, and probably changing the game engine and building everything up from the ground might help to um, avoid some things that are now probably just a bit faulty. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, that's that was my thinking of the question. It's kind of a leading question, so apologies. But then at the same time, they might have to start from scratch from certain things. They have to release a game still on a yearly basis. What if the first one comes out and it's a buggy mess? So I know. I think we're at a crossroads, though. I think it's an interesting time. And we'll have to see what happens in the future. But for now, still looking forward to F123. Uh, and in, in the F1 games, let's start with the F1 driving game. Is there one feature that's not already been included that you'd like to see in an F1, a new F1 game? That's a good question. One feature, I think you'll like this one. Um, okay. Right. Having variable track limits, where you can decide in an online race where the track limits actually are. Like, oh, okay. You, you, you're like, well, we are very strict in Blanchiment, but uh, at the bus stop chicken, you can uh, chicane, you can like completely uh, ignore the track limits on the exit. Um, I think this way you can also make league racing more interesting because you always have to adapt to different uh, track limits. That would be wild. I don't think any game, to my knowledge, has been able to have it where yeah, the, the host, let's say, can can change the track limits. But certainly there are times in uh, some of the recent F1 games where you, you do question some of the track limits, right? And you think, mm -hmm. why is... Why, does that match real life? I'm not sure it does. Mind <laughs> you, the FA has got a, its own challenges with track limits as well, hasn't it? So it's a very tricky thing to work out. But yeah, I mean, maybe something like a set across competizione where it has the track limits, but sometimes can be quite lenient as well, where it says... Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, you didn't really gain much time, so we'll let you off. Moving away from the F1 games, just, just quickly to finish off here. I just want to talk about Dave again. That's all right. <laughs> what's, what's next for you? What's going on in your life this year? I'm looking forward for a few game releases, and I'm also yeah. planning to buy a new car. And does that car have a prancing horse on the bonnet? Because when you told me this, I didn't believe you. I thought you were joking. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I'm still not... I ha still haven't finally decided on uh, what car it will be. Yeah, uh, I have huge plans for the car. I don't know if I can tell them yet publicly. Uh, okay. But I went from the 458 to 488 F8 and probably also thinking about the Pista. It al also depends on how the circumstances are. Uh, I will see what car it will be. Interesting. So either way, it's an upgrade from the Opel Corsa. Yes. Which I'm not knocking the Corsa, but... It's a bit of a it's a bit of a gap, a delta between uh, that and a Ferrari potentially. Also, in terms of fuel consumption, times three probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, best get making those videos, Dave. <laughs> Someone needs to pay the bills. <laughs> so, thank you very much for your time, Dave. In the words of Charles Leclerc, Dave Gaming, he's quick. Uh, but yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and hope the uh, new F1 games are to your liking and you can make some more content for the for the German listeners. 
Yeah, thank you for having me, Tom. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening and watching to our interview with Dave Gaming about the future of the Formula One driving games and what he'd like to see in the near and long term. I hope you enjoyed that, but thank you also to Dave for his time. He's well worth a follow or a subscribe if German is your chosen language. We hope to speak to him again in the future too. Don't forget, if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, please rate, review and subscribe. That really helps out the show. Don't forget we've got some affiliate links for sim racing hardware and equipment in the description and on youtube leave a comment and subscribe that helps us out there too we'll be back for some new episodes of the traction.gg podcast very soon keep it pinned